horses are, are energy workers. They are powerful at, at shape-shifting and, and helping us to surface things that we no longer need, our emotions, our thoughts, our stories, and let them go. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere, a place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Turrbal country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past, present and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. In this episode, I speak with Kate Nelligan from Conscious Rockstar. Kate's story is fascinating. She works with people and horses as a coach for humans to bring about their real self and to live the best life they can. You'll hear how horses have taught Kate so much and how she's now able to support others in the lessons her horses taught her. Kate's a beautiful woman who's connected to all things ethereal and is deep. She's also a very clear communicator who owns every part of herself and lets herself shine. She really does embody her business name, Conscious Rockstar. Oh, and one tip, please keep listening after I say thank you to Kate as I go on to ask her another question about world domination by horses. So keep listening to the end so you can hear our thoughts. Here is Kate. Kate, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. Can you first tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? Sure. I am an equine partnered life and career coach, and I work with individuals and groups as well as corporate companies to help basically individuals become more present and more connected to wisdom and intuition and their heart through the powers of the horses, as well as through my background um, and training in spiritual psychology. Fantastic. God, that sounds really interesting. I look forward to jumping into this one, but let's start from the beginning. Did you grow up with horses? Have they always been a part of your life? They have for the most part. I grew up riding weekly and God bless my mom drove me an hour to take riding lessons at a farm. And then I went to summer camp with horses. I've always loved them. I don't even remember the first time or, or when I started to love them, but my mom had always liked them growing up. And so she introduced me to them. And Did I she also, ride herself? Did she interact with horses? She, she did? did, but before she had me. So her and I have only rode together on like vacation. Uh, she's not really rode since I think she was a kid. Wow. Yeah. And so I have always loved all animals, but the horses have been my favorite. And, you know, at times it was challenging because in like elementary school, um, my love was so big for them that the boys made fun of me and they neighed at me and they called me Mr. Ed. Um, and I had always like bad buck teeth until I got braces when I was older. And so they would like make fun of me about my, that I had horse teeth. So, you know, it was interesting because I love them so much, but I always had that kind of feeling like, um, 
I kind of had to hide that love. So that was interesting. And then another piece that has been interesting about the horses is I was always promised that I could have a horse if I got straight A's, but I never got straight A's. And so for me, it was always this, if I was perfect, then I would finally have a horse. Um, and I tried so hard and it was one of those things where it just wasn't meant to be for me to actually own my own horse until I was older. God, there's two massive life lessons there, aren't they? Kids are so cruel. I talked to, I have a, one going through university now at 19 and one at 17 and she talks about things that happen at school and I'm like, you've just got to get through it because there's nothing in life as bad as high school. You know, kids are mean and it gets better. You know, it's, it's, you'll still encounter mean people, but it's nothing like the intensity of the um, insecurities of a bunch of teenagers all in one space together. It's true. And I actually have worked with kids. I usually work with adults, but I've worked with kids who are bullying others. And I have them work with a horse and, and ask them, like, would you ever bully this 1200 pound majestic creature? And they immediately know that they can't and they won't. And so it's really learning how they can process their emotions in a healthy way. And I think that's just the challenge is we're not, we're not, we don't know what to do as we go into our awkward phase and we have anger or frustration or irritability. There isn't really a way for us to process that, I think, in a healthy way as, as kids. Um, and then we have all the emotions of our parents that we often feel. So, um, yeah, I, I, I am not a fan of bullying. And I also feel like there's, um, there's always obviously something behind it. And I, I love helping kids and adults move out of, of bullying themselves as well, right? We can be our own harshest critics. Definitely, definitely. And um, there's nothing in school that teaches kids how to be good adults. There's no actual classes. My kids are at a great high school that gives age-appropriate responsibility, but there's still it's, it's extracurricular if you want to learn those things. And there's little tidbits here and there, but it's really... Um, we need a massive, in my opinion, a massive remodeling of the education system to say, well, what is it that we want? Because are some of these subjects really necessary at high school or is it best that we teach them how to be good adults and, and good humans and to, to think in a different way and treat people differently? Yes. Yes. I feel like the horses help us so much with those soft skills and those ways of being because they really are incredible role models. And if we learned how to be more present like them and how to pair the what I call the strength with the gentleness that they really exemplify, we would just be such incredible human beings uh, if we really role modeled our, ourselves after horses. I totally agree. Totally agree. So when did you get your first horse? What happened when you left school? Yeah, it's interesting. I took about 10 years off from horses, which when I look back, I don't even know how I did that um, because I can't go more than a week right now without having horses in my life. And I think that was partly because in my 20s, you know, I was really focused on uh, education, like college and then work and then the Christopher Reeves accident happened and that freaked me out quite a bit um, and I just didn't really have anywhere to ride outside of college. I did compete in college. Uh, we actually started the first equestrian group in our, our local college in Pennsylvania and then I, um, I took time off in my 20s and so I got back into it 
in an interesting way, during my, my master's program in spiritual psychology, they have an exercise where you go within and you communicate basically with your younger self, a version of yourself when you're younger. And that voice said, I want a horseback ride. I just want to ride horses. And I was very focused on business. I had a, a big career in the movie studio world. And I was like, no, I don't have time for that. And, and, and I, I wasn't ready to give that to myself. And then after I graduated, I had such a high level of self-love that it was one of the first things I wanted to do was to get myself back into horses. And I got very lucky because um, I put it out there that I was ready and I didn't know where to start riding or, or what to do. And it's kind of a fun story, but I was, I was at, um, so I was at the doctor and what happened was the doctor wasn't very helpful and I felt kind of alone and, and concerned. And I walked out and I kind of just said out loud to the universe, I need a sign that I'm not alone here and I want it to be a butterfly. And I just kind of made this demand without really thinking about it. And three days later, I get an email at work from my colleague and she says, free lease of a horse. And I don't even read the email. I just write back and I said, I'm in, let's go. <laughs> um, and I was so excited. And then I read the email and the horse's name is Butterfly. Mm. You have to be kidding me. Wow a spunky chestnut Arabian that was scared of everything and so much fun to ride and totally helped me get my confidence back. And that was it for me. I had leased, I leased her for a couple of years and um, rode in incredible barns and, and stables and trails out in Malibu, California. And I was just so lucky. And it was just so clear that it was my time to get back into horses. How does, uh, a uh, spooky Arabian get your confidence back. Can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, it, I realized that with her, because she was afraid of so much and just so high strung that I had to be the confident one and I had to be secure and I had to relax and I had to be the leader with her to let her know, you know, that that's not scary. We've got that. Let's look at it. Let's experiment with it. And so she really taught me quite a bit about how to get grounded and how to get quiet. And, um, and so it was quite, it was quite interesting uh, to go back and, and ride a, a horse that was a great fit for me. And her and I had a ball. We just had the greatest time for, for those couple of years. She was really um, one of my first, you know, kind of soul horses that came in to, to change my life. Wow. And had you, were you working in um, counseling or coaching at that time when you were started riding again? I wasn't. And I actually didn't know that the horses could even be teachers or coaches until later. And so what happened with Butterfly was that um, her human wanted to do other things with her and uh, was not interested in doing a free lease anymore. And at the same exact time, this the same woman, my colleague, uh, who introduced me to Butterfly, bought two horses. And she was, she, you know, a full-time 
uh, long hour work day and she didn't know how she was going to have, at that point she had four horses. She said, I cannot ride four horses. Will you please lease one of them? And this horse's name was Felici. And I was actually going to think about buying her, but I knew I was leaving my corporate job and I was really scared to take on a horse myself. So I decided to lease her and she's this incredible, at the time, 16 year old, um, gray Arabian dressage horse, probably hundred thousand dollar horse based on her, her pedigree and her training. She had done so many shows and basically was thrown out to pasture up in the Santa Barbara, California area because she was just so nervous about showing. She didn't want to do that kind of performing anymore and she had developed melanoma and so uh we got her for almost nothing and she became my trail horse and so her and i um rode together for for years and she was really the one of the most profound things that have ever happened to me um our relationship was not great in the beginning because i was still so obsessed with butterfly and not ready to let that go. And then over time, um, Felici and I really just connected on a, a really deep level. I was her person, even though, you know, not her human, I didn't own her, so to speak. Um, but I was the only one riding her. And there was one day when I was going to get her to take her out on a trail and her human told me about this equine therapy session she had seen with addicts in recovery at the ranch. And she explained what happened and how her horses showed up for these individuals and went right to the places where the people were having the hardest times. And I was blown away. And I, it was one of those moments where I had like a full body, what is this? I need to experience this. I need to see this. And I, it was such an energy rush through my whole, my whole system, my whole body. And so I went and volunteered for my first equine therapy session with my mentor at the time who ran that ranch in Malibu and was blown away because I watched these addicts come in and be completely transformed in two hours. They came in miserable, not connected to their bodies, not even wanting to be here anymore and leaving joyful, present, willing to give life a shot. And I was, I was like, I saw that kind of transformation in two years in my master's program, not in two hours. So I knew something was going on. And what do you think it was as a spectator sitting back and watching that transformation? What did you, did you see the moments it happened? Did it unfold in layers? Was it one big moment? What did you see? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's different every time with the horses, which is why I love it so much. I never know what to expect. I think with the group work, it's everyone learns from each other, which is beautiful. And then we had multiple horses in there. And I think with that ranch and in, in that time, we were surrounded by horses all around. We were out in nature and those are just healing things in themselves. But what my understanding of horses is now, and it's really evolved in the last five years that I've been doing this work is it is they horses are, are energy workers. They are powerful at, at shape shifting and, and helping us to surface things that we no longer need, our emotions, our thoughts, our stories, and let them go and not be attached to them. And through that process, people get back to who they are, their true nature. And that is mirrored to them through the nature of animals and, and being out in nature. So it's really powerful. It's a big 
mirror, there's a lot of metaphors, and then there's just a lot of healing energy that's happening. So it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but the, the process and the mixture of it is what I would call alchemy, just completely changing um, the state of things. Mm, and it's a beautiful thing to behold. So what came for you next? So what was interesting is, you know, all of so far my, my stories with horses have been at times, sometimes the biggest challenges for me and not at the same time, the greatest blessing, more joy than I possibly could imagine. And with Felici, since she had melanoma, it came back uh, with a vengeance. And so she was about 18 and going downhill pretty rapidly. And we tried everything. We tried all different types of healing modalities for her. Um, and there was one day when I was riding her and I just knew that, she, you know, even as an Arabian, the endurance that they can handle, she was done. And so I got off and I walked her all the way back down the trail from this mountain. And, and that was it. Then I had to form a relationship with her on the ground. And so for me, you know, at this point, I'd just been volunteering for equine therapy, watching it. I was not facilitating. I was really in apprenticeship mode. And then when Felici was starting to go downhill and I, I could only do things on the ground with her, I really let her start to teach me what I needed to know about horses and about myself. And I was coming out of this corporate way of being where I was so driven, often in masculine energy, very goal-oriented, and I really needed to learn how to slow down and how to lead with love. And that is something that she taught me in a very specific way. She would not partner with me to do groundwork exercises unless I came to her with an energy that she enjoyed, that felt good to her. Otherwise, she would basically throw her head up and run away and want nothing to do with me. And that was hard because riding, we were so connected. Um, and I learned a lot about how I needed to show up and I started to practice some exercises with her on the ground that later became the foundation of my coaching practice. And, um, during that time I realized I could have as much fun and as beautiful as a relationship on the ground with a horse as I could on their backs. And I had never known that I just was always riding. I didn't know about the ground relationship with, with the horse and how, incredible it can be. And I, uh, I really ended up in a place where she was caretaking me and I was caretaking her. And eventually she passed from melanoma and it was three days after my birthday. I'm so grateful it wasn't on my birthday. I told her she was not allowed to do that. Um, and it was really beautiful. And I, I was not able to be there during her death, but I was in meditation when it happened. I um, intentionally went into meditation and I experienced more peace in those moments than I had ever before in my life. And um, ever since, she's kind of been my guide. She, I feel her almost every day of my life. I talk to her all the time. And I have the connections never ended. It's never lost. The love is still really powerful. And she's, um, she's an incredible, incredible support system for me. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a special, special bond. Did yeah. you then go on to get your own horse or yes. did you go into coaching? What was the next step? 
Yeah, thank you. So what happened from there was really interesting because I was in, in deep grief for a few days and everyone at the ranch told me I had to come back to the ranch quickly so I could pull that, that band-aid off, so to speak. And so four or five days later, I show up at the ranch and what happened in the pasture next to her was that a horse about the day after she passed um, had a colic out of nowhere and also passed. And that horse was a chestnut thoroughbred. And so they brought in for the gelding that lived in there with her, they brought in another chestnut thoroughbred mare from another pasture who I did not even know was on that ranch because there were 30 horses and I only had eyes for Felici. And uh, that horse stuck her head over the fence when I showed up and started making the funniest faces at me. And I said, who is this creature? And it just was the first time I laughed and smiled and dazed. And her name is Lindsay. And she eventually became my horse, my very first horse. And um, it was kind of miraculous how it happened because she was not rideable. She was um, in all of my equine therapy programs. I finally began my own coaching and, and learning and therapy practice there at that ranch with Lindsay because she needed a job and she was incredible at it. And so her and I became incredibly bonded and they were actually going to put her down at one point because the ranch was closing and they didn't think anyone would want her because she's not rideable. She had some health issues. I said, absolutely not. This horse is one of the most talented healers I've ever seen. And um, please let me have her. And I didn't have the funds at the time, so I didn't know if I could do it. But a lot of my clients were and are super generous and wanted to save her with, with me. So they donated and we got to move her to a rescue ranch and that became our, our second home and where my second mentor was waiting to show me another way of being with horses. And um, she, that human mentor was really helpful, really redirective in my path with horses. And then Lindsay started to teach me as well. And so her and I had an incredible journey at that ranch and then we moved to another ranch what did you learn at that ranch before we jump to the next one yeah what did you learn so, such a great question you know the biggest thing i think that both lindsay and that human mentor were teaching me was that the horse is definitely an equal to the human we are not here to to use them and that we have owe them a lot of respect and respect as we know is very important in their heard in their culture and I learned to ask permission before I entered a stall I asked um, I, I learned to listen and quite frankly that was when that ranch during a meditation that I led uh, when I really opened my heart in one of the biggest ways I ever have um, sent it out to all the horses I walked back after that meditation and I started to hear the horses that's when my my ability to have animal communication uh, turned on. And for the most part, I can just hear the horses. I would love to hear other animals, but it was, um, it was really an awakening for me to, to see the horses in a whole nother way and to offer them respect. I had always done what I knew, which in many ways was the English way of riding or the Western cowboy, and the, those are those are my teachers up until this rescue ranch where it was really about 
treating horses like royalty and um, putting the, her the horse first sometimes uh, when they need it, especially looking at the care and their feed and uh, how to make their bodies healthy. Like I had a whole new education on what true horsemanship really was. And, um, and Lindsay was teaching me a lot about liberty work because, you know, being a horse that I couldn't ride and being at a rescue ranch where none of the horses were rideable, all of it was groundwork. And so we started to play and learn liberty activities and how I could get a horse to join up with me, not through kind of the old way of submission and running a horse around a round pen, but in actually finding a way of being inside of myself that was magnetic and attractive to a horse to join up with me. So Lindsay really taught me how to lead with joy and how to come from that perspective of playing and enjoying uh, our time together and rather than like an agenda or shoulds or um, kind of like my my idea or the highway, which I've, I've seen a lot in the horse world is that humans think that it should be their way when quite frankly, a lot of times horses have really good ideas and we should just be listening to them a little bit more. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> and um, so many people on this podcast, that's exactly what they do. And um, that is where the magic happens when you can sit and listen, even if you don't hear clearly what it is horses are saying. Most people who um, who tune into themselves and want a deep connection with horses certainly understand what it is they're trying to say. So it's such a beautiful lesson to learn. What happened at your next ranch? This is such an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay and I moved when we felt that there was an opening for us to be somewhere that was a closer to to where I wanted to be in, in much more nature. So we ended up moving from somewhat small, somewhat urban branch that was rescue based to a very broad kind of all levels of a equestrian activity in Agora Hills in California. And with that, it was 30 acres of, of wildness. I mean, I, I heard the coyotes every night and the owls and the trails were amazing for us to be able to just walk on and lots of work areas. So I just needed expansion. And we had that. And next door were some of her friends from that original ranch in Malibu and a horse that I could ride so I could have the best of both worlds. And so it, it worked out really well. And then, um, you know, Lindsay and I had quite a lot of clients and Things were really growing and was interesting because, you know, she ended up uh, breaking her leg, which was about a year and a half ago. And it was out of nowhere and it was something that couldn't be salvaged, according to the vet. And it was tough. It was something that I wasn't expecting. It was kind of like one of our worst nightmares in, in the horse space, that yeah. or colic, probably. Mm. Um, and so it was an interesting second phase of grieving because a lot of my clients were now grieving with me. Unlike with Felici, there was just a couple of us really grieving. And uh, I had to deal with my grief in addition to hundreds of others. And, and really this horse, uh, I didn't think her work was done, but obviously it was. And so that... Um, opened up another layer for me of, of healing and processing and looking at what's next. 
And I think to a certain degree, she left because I knew, she knew I needed to move. And it enabled me, you know, within a year, I was able to move to Colorado, which is where I'm at now, and somewhere I've wanted to be for years. And I don't know if she would have been able to make that move um, physically. So uh, she, I think that's one of the reasons why she left. And I still go to California and do sessions, but I'm really grateful to be out here in Colorado because it's even, again, more expansion and more space, more horses. There's six different ranches here that I can work out of. It's, it's quite amazing. Um, so do you take your own horses around to those ranches or do you have some you work with on each ranch? I have horses at different ranches that I work with. People have been incredible over the years with me. They've invited me to work at their ranches. They've let me use their personal horses or work with their personal horses. And um, lots of people either have individual horses or herds that they let me partner with them. And it's been it's been a flow. It's been a journey of finding different horses. I've worked, I can't, I've lost count now. At one point I had worked with over 50 or 60 horses in this at work. And it's, it's more than that now. And I um, am in the process of looking for my own horse again. So taking it slow, but getting ready to, I want to get a mini and a donkey and a horse that I can ride and also do the coaching work with. But um, in the meantime, grateful to be working with other people's horses. Can you tell me about a few of your clients? Can you think of, is there anyone that comes to mind that you can think of and where they started and what the horse was able to and you were able to support them with and where they are now? Yeah, it's a great question. I have so many different types of clients, but the the most common archetype, so to speak, is a woman in some form of career or relationship transition. So often women who are going through a divorce or coming out of a corporate job and looking for what's next for them, whether it's as an entrepreneur, really being willing to step into their calling. And a lot of my work boils down to helping, again, mostly women become present to their intuitive voice and to self-love and self-acceptance, self-trust, and living with more intention, right? How do they want to consciously create their lives? And, um, you know, the work is different with every person in every session. Sometimes we are doing work around childhood. Other times we're really working on what's next and, and some goal planning type envisioning. But I have had one client who I think I'm, I'm most excited about or proud of and, and really grateful for. She came to work with me in, when I was in Malibu and had really an apprehension about horses, wasn't even sure she liked them, but she trusted me and she loves personal development work. And she really changed her life in a huge way. She came in and was not in a relationship. Um, had just turned, I think, 40, wanted to have kids, and was not thrilled about her work either. And she had a lot of challenges and uh, forgiveness that she had to do from childhood, from parents that weren't there for her, and also a lot of grief. 
And do you even think that's why she didn't even really like horses? It always interests me, people who don't like horses. I, I think, think it was, yeah, it's, that's a great question. I, I think it's more, my experience with people is they either are afraid of horses, which I get a lot, or they are not sure about horses. They're not sure what their gifts are or how they can really help. And I think she fell into that second category. It's not that she didn't like them, but she just wasn't sure about them. Mm. And so I started her off with a Shetland so that she could start small before she had to be with a big horse. And that first session was really doing inner child work and getting her to a place where she could bring compassion for her younger self that had gone through quite a bit. And through different activities I've learned through my spiritual psychology masters, I brought that in, partnered with the horses and their gifts. And in one session, she went from not being sure about the horses to putting that mini, or excuse me, that Chetlin's photo on her phone and keeping it there for many months. And she went meatless the next day. She gave up meat because she was like, this horse is like every other animal. How can I eat beef if I, you know, love these, these horses? So it was amazing to see how fast just one session changed her in a big way and how she came into feeling much more grounded and centered in herself and much more compassionate towards herself. And then she came back for many more sessions and, you know, in a short amount of time, I mean, very short, she got married, she had a baby, she got promoted at work, she has incredible friends, and she's not carrying like the grief and the angst and the frustration about her family. So, I mean, she's a total transformation story for me. And I'm just thrilled that that can happen with horses. What a beautiful story. And it all comes down to being conscious about what your own needs are, being conscious about what's, what's blocking you from having everything it is that you really want in life and everything you desire. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree. It's well, that's well said, yeah. And so that's where you're at now. You're at the point of looking for your own horse again. What are you looking for in a horse this time? I love a horse that is very healthy. And that's a hybrid of a horse that loves to trail ride, that would be open to jumping, that is, you know, good at dressage, kind of that all around like workhorse that loves to, to be in exercise. Um, Cause that's important. I definitely want to be riding every day. Um, that is something that I feel Lindsay wants for me as well. And, you know, having had horses that weren't healthy, it was taxing to, to be in caretaker mode. And I would rather being in, in that kind of space, hold that space for my clients, um, not necessarily for a horse. Um, and so looking for also a horse that is incredibly gifted at coaching and teaching and healing. And that's a special mix because I've seen some horses that are just really good at teaching and some horses that just love the healing work and to really get kind of this all around all star or rock star. I, I've, I have a Facebook group called equine rock stars to really find that equine rock star is kind of what I'm looking for. Mm. And it's interesting that, um, your horses evolve as you do. I'm going through a transition phase at the moment because when you work in um, my background's in equine therapy as well, and 
when you work in that, you can become a rescuer a bit as well. And you can get lost in, in helping others so much. And I'm only just coming to the place now where I'm saying I'm allowed to have the rockstar horse. I'm allowed to have something that I want that's not a project horse that I don't have to work really hard with. I will work in all the ways that I believe in, deep connection and things like that. But we don't need to have difficult horses and work really hard to get there. We actually are allowed at um, any time in our life to go, I, I want that horse now. Yeah, that's so well said and so true. It's a level of, I think, deserving and knowing that that's for our highest good to have a horse that can be there for us, especially if we have taken care of a lot of horses, which, you know, at this point I feel like I have, and I really am looking forward to, to having a horse where it's just, there's a level of playing that we can do together um, where there's a lot of, a lot of joy and um, there's, there's no limits, so to speak. Right. And you're right about it. Just gets, you have to get to that point of being able to claim that for yourself. Yeah. And say, so I'm allowed to have this and I'm doing this for me and I do all of this for others. And this is my, my life's purpose and my work and my joy. And I'd like this for myself, please. It's a really lovely point to get to. It is. It definitely is. So how do people connect with you? Are you in person only? Do you work online? How does that work? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I love working with people in person and I do the one-on-one -on -one sessions and group workshops usually around a theme and so like developing intuition or drawing boundaries different types of themes whatever I'm kind of learning from the horses and feel like they want me to teach uh, I offer that and then corporate team building and leadership training which is going to be an even bigger focus for me in the in the future mm -hmm. and yeah, and the other thing is, but that said, I do work with people virtually. As a coach, I've worked with people since I graduated from my, my master's in 2009. I've always worked with people virtually. And what I'll do is I'll bring in some of the metaphors from the horse when I talk to them virtually, or we'll sometimes even do a meditation to connect with the horses. But I am also training other equine coaches on how to grow their business because my background is marketing. And so I love helping people um, get more clients and do more of this work or get started. I've worked with coaches kind of all over the United States at this point that have uh, wanted to explore this and they found me and they found that my my background and my training was what they were interested in rather than you know some of the other certification programs that are out there and I give them you know my opinion on the certification programs too because there's a lot of great ones um, and that's certainly a direction for people but I I believe that if we're going to do this work we just have to have a lot of clients coming through so that way we can be of service at a high level and we can stay doing this work full-time so I love to help people virtually as well fantastic and you what resources do you have have you written some books I thank you for asking so I have written books that are my stories but there one is uh, women will save the world my book my excuse me my story is in women will save the world as well as in the power of being a woman and both of those are compilation books a little bit more about the feminine leadership model 
Um, but I have two books about horses that will be coming out in the future. Um, one is really about Felici and, and what she taught me, and the other is about Lindsay. In many ways, I feel like sharing their stories is uh, a legacy that I'd like to give them. And then also some virtual training programs that are going to be coming out in the future as well. Um, and I'm also working on a retreat center, some, a place where people can actually come and do this work and feel really nourished and, and have other modalities uh, to learn from as well. So, and I, I go on retreats too. I take people on retreats or I work at other barns. So I'm not limited to just Colorado and California. I've also worked in Napa Valley and one country in California and Austin, Texas, um, and just found a, a place to be working in the New Jersey, New York area. So I can definitely come to where people are. And I, I love to travel and work with different horses. And it seems you've done a lot of speaking too. I have. I'm so grateful. So the story I told you a little bit earlier about the perfectionism and being neighed at by the boys, that piece is in my TEDx talk, which is called The Pursuit of Perfection. And it really is about how I've overcome my massive past struggle with perfectionism. And I find that a lot of uh, people in the horse space have what I call like the control addiction or wanting to ride perfectly. And, you know, we can't really ride our lives that perfectly. We just have to see what horse is presented to us each day. I love that. I absolutely love that because it's so true. We all strive for perfection and sometimes we don't realize that the perfection is here. The perfection is in the imperfection. Which is, yeah, lovely to learn. Okay, so your business or company is called Conscious Rockstar. How do we find you? Yeah, so ConsciousRockstar.com is my coaching site and Equine Rockstar is the equine piece of that. Equine Rockstars is also a Facebook group that I have and a meetup group as well. Uh, in addition to, I launched something called Horsey Selfie, and that was inspired by Felici. I launched it on International Day of Happiness, and Felici means happily in Italian. So it was my gift to her, and it is horseyselfie.com, and it's all photos of horse selfies and humans with horses. Uh, to inspire self-love. So instead of the selfish movement that we've seen with the selfie, it's really a selfie can mean self-love and it's love of self through love of the horses. So there's a bunch of fun photos there, people who get to say one thing they love about themselves and one thing they love about the horse. And so that's a fun site. And that's also the same as my Instagram. So my Instagram is horsey selfie. Fantastic. Well, I would like to thank you, Kate, for being on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, but more so the whole purpose of this podcast is to make the world a better place for horses. So um, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for what it is that you do for horses every day and bringing this awareness to not only the horse world, but also to the corporate world, to everyday people, to, um, yeah, you, you've got a wide reach and it's fantastic to know that we're all on the same page as far as horses are amazing and people need to know about this. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. I so appreciate it. I want the world to just listen to the horse and to learn from them and to see and appreciate their wisdom because they are such incredible blessings here on the planet with us. And uh, 
their gifts don't have to be a secret anymore. So thank you for this podcast and letting people share their stories and share um, how important the horses are to, to humanity and to the world. So one of my previous guests has said uh, they think that horses are going to have world domination soon. <laughs> how much do you think it's growing, really? They're starting to let therapy horses on the cabins of aeroplanes somewhere over there. <laughs> do you think they're coming? Do you think they're making their charge? You know, it's so funny about horses. They have so much pride, as you know, but they don't have egos. So I don't think they want to dominate this world. I don't think they, I think they are actually happy for the most part having their secrets. But what I do know, even I've been a student recently of equine therapy. And what's been so fascinating is um, the practitioner I'm working with she didn't even know that her horse had some of the gifts that he has. And cause I can hear him and I'm, I'm receiving from him in such powerful ways. She's like, he's, he's a different horse. He actually went from being in the submissive role in the herd to being the lead gelding because he's coming to his gifts. So what's funny though, is, you know, I think there's leadership that's going to happen from the horses, whether that's world domination, I don't know, but and I, I think, think that's why they'll, why they'll dominate because they don't have the ego and they don't want to dominate. That's right. I, I think that's part of the plan. It's like they, they're coming yeah. to take over in the best possible way, not like a human takeover. They're actually, um, in my opinion, they're actually a part of the plan for the planet. I would agree with that completely. Yes, because their vibration is so high. And that's really what our journey is right now is to elevate, to elevate in consciousness and to elevate our, our vibration to love and above and joy. And they, they, they live there and they, they can bring in that high, high vibration for us. That's why people say, I forget about all my problems when I'm here. I'm like, yeah, not only are you present, but you're in such a high vibration that 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 stuff doesn't matter and it's not relevant anymore. So if we let them into our consciousness, yes, the domination piece could be absolutely incredible for us, but a hundred percent, they are Ascension um, partners without a doubt. Wow. What a beautiful note to leave on. Thanks again, Kate. I look forward to catching up with you again one day. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. To connect with Kate, simply follow the links in the show notes. It'll be well worth your time. I'm on a mission to create a community of gentle and ethical horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please engage with me somehow. You can leave a review on iTunes or Facebook, share or comment on social media posts, or tell your friends about the podcast. You'll find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. If your friends don't know how to podcast, send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who'd love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I'd also love it, really love it, if you get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast. 
I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine. So please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's something you'd like me to research more and really speak about at length or even just in a short way, let me know. I'd love, love, love to serve you guys more. Anyway, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.